0: in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Starting out with the Our Father, again, I was doing that on purpose. This time I'd like to look at the way Jesus presented the Our Father in Matthew's account of the Gospel, because remember in the last talk we looked at Luke's, where he talked about prayer itself. In Matthews, when he finishes giving them the Our Father, he says, If you forgive others their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. Which Gives us a good lead into our second topic now in this three-part on the reflection of the divine mercy, the ABCs of divine mercy, where this one is, be merciful this comes from just to kind of a little background again uh, from what sister faustina kowalska understood to be visits of jesus to her and teachings that went on over seven years she recorded these revelations in her diary um, but in the life of the church Private revelations will never stand at the level of the gospel, for example, or the sacred tradition. They are private revelations. Now, that means that after approval, anyone may embrace them because they're tested and seen to be free of anything that would be false to the teaching of the church in our life as Catholics. But it doesn't force us to. And so that's why this is a devotion that not everyone has to do, obviously, but the church has recognized certain aspects of it and embraced them. One of them is that St. Faustina herself, Sister Faustina has been canonized a saint. And that comes after a process of evaluating her writings for accuracy in terms of the truth of the faith, of evaluating her life And her moral character and the evidence of her life to find that she is a faithful witness to the life of living the Catholic faith. And then the testimony of miracles bear witness to the supernatural reality of it. And then the Holy Father declares her a saint. She has been declared a saint. The other really fascinating fact is that this day is now known as Divine Mercy Sunday. The request came through private revelations, but the belief of the faithful, including then Cardinal Othila, later Pope John Paul II, um, brought that to be part of our liturgical life now because this feast is named for divine mercy. And so we can move forward in this devotion with surety in the guidance of the church that it's going to provide us something that the church has found valuable and appropriate and made available to us. I think it's helpful to many of us who have tried to take this seriously and receive the message of divine mercy and the great graces that are available to us, especially on this day of divine mercy. There are the elements of the divine mercy and how to receive it, and one of the aspects is the a b's and c's of divine mercy and so we'll move now to the second of those be merciful what is the background about us as members of god's people being merciful the roots are even in the old testament i say even it really shouldn't surprise us but so often people draw a very strong distinction between the way god acted in the old testament And the way that he acts in Christ in the New Testament. But remember when God is setting forth his law. And for example, with regard to orphans and widows, he says you're not to mistreat them, you're to to protect them, or to even to provide when you harvest your fields, to allow what doesn't get harvested uh, or picked up in the first pass, you don't go back. You leave that for the orphans and widows. Why? He says, I am the Lord. And he talks about how he has cared for orphans and widows, how he looks after them to secure their rights, so that he is giving that understanding that as he acts, so are we to act as well. That, of course, continues into the New Testament. The parable of the unforgiving servant, you remember where Jesus describes a servant who owed a large amount something he could never physically repay and his master when he when this servant appealed to him he wrote it off but then when that servant went out and found others who owed him a much 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 smaller amount and he was not willing to extend the same mercy and so he was called back in before that um, the one to whom he owed the great amount And if you would not extend to these others, the same mercy that I received to you, then, okay, then he had to pay the price. Jesus says, be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. So we're talking in terms of family relationships, we might think about the resemblances that we may have with our family members. I know with my brothers, I never saw the resemblance. I never thought I was very much like them at all. Uh, But other people did. Other people saw the resemblance between us and could line us up and two of us were closer to each other than the other two, but all were considered part of the same family. We didn't really see that, but there was apparently a resemblance there. One of the places that it came out though, was when we would have common friends and they would call and get one or the other of us and they actually couldn't tell who they were talking to at one point because we all sounded alike, because we all sounded like our dad. And I was rather proud of that because I like, you know, sounding like my father and being connected with my father. How about the relationship that we have with God, our father? And what kind of a resemblance do we have with him it's not going to be physical because our heavenly father is pure spirit but is it in terms of love and is it in terms of mercy that's what we're called to extend in the book on the devotion the message in devotion jesus told saint faustina i demand from you deeds of mercy which are to arise out of love for me. You are to show mercy to your neighbors, always and everywhere. You must not shrink from this or try to excuse yourself from it. Even the strongest faith is of no avail without works. If a soul does not exercise mercy in some way, it will not obtain my mercy on the day of judgment. So the second part about being merciful is actually very urgent. And our Lord is very deliberate about it. How do we exercise the paths of mercy, the actions of mercy? Again, from the diary, it's not in the devotional book, but it's a different place. Jesus said, I'm giving you three ways of exercising mercy toward your neighbor. The first, by deed. The second, by word. The third, by prayer. In these three degrees is contained the fullness of mercy, and it is an unquestionable proof of love for me. By this means, a soul glorifies and pays reverence to my mercy. Yes, the first Sunday after Easter is the feast of mercy, but there must also be acts of mercy, and I demand the worship of my mercy through a solemn celebration of the feast and through the veneration of the image which is painted. By means of this image, I shall grant many graces to souls. It is to be a reminder of the demands of my mercy, because even the strongest faith is of no avail without works. A couple of things in that quote to note, first of all about the image and the veneration of the image. When we start our... um, Divine Mercy Holy Hour at three o'clock, before we have the exposition, we'll start with a veneration of the image. We'll incense the image solemnly as an act of reverence. And all of us are encouraged to venerate an image. Perhaps in your homes, you may have an image where you might show honor to it. There are different ways we might show honor to the image. Uh, We may have a gesture of reverence toward it maybe solemn bow, as we do for many holy things here in church, as we will with the image. You may want to touch it or kiss it. Uh, There may be other practices that you may have of showing your reverence and your love for our Lord, who is portrayed in that image. Uh, It's a special avenue for grace, and on this day especially. But the other part is the insistence on our having works of mercy um, in addition to the the faith and the asking and the trust in his mercy we hear that in the letter to james in the scriptures that faith without works is dead and here jesus reiterates that very strongly so how do we go about being merciful what does that look like Uh, rather to try to translate that from words into something that maybe we can apply ourselves to Jesus gave us a parable of the last judgment in Matthew chapter 25. And you probably remember it. It's very vivid image. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will assemble before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. You place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. What makes the difference between the sheep and the goats? We remember it, right? He says, To the ones who are on the right, come inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me. Imprisoned and you visited me. And these now who are set to go into the kingdom will say, Lord, when did we do this to you? We didn't recognize this. And he says, when you did this for the least of, least of these brothers of mine, you did them for me. And then likewise with those on the left, they will also ask, when did we see you and not provide for your needs? And he will say, when you did not do this, For the least of these least ones, you did not do it for me. Perhaps you remember Mother Teresa. And one of the things that was a center point of her action of of guiding her action of charity was this parable, this teaching, and the words, you did it for me. She would repeat those at different times. This was the motivation for what she did why she persevered in doing what she did. And she did so much and just so continuously. Outwardly, we have some gestures, some actions that the church has put labels on. And it's nice to have categorizations that help us, helps us remember them. You probably may have learned them in catechism. The corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy. just to mention them the corporal works of mercy of course have to do with the body the corpus to feed the hungry to give drink to the thirsty to clothe the naked to harbor the harborless to visit the sick to ransom the captive to bury the dead and remember many of those were there in the in the teaching of Jesus about the last judgment, these were the things that he was looking for to have been done to him through the least of his brothers. And Then the spiritual works of mercy, things that pertain to our souls and help toward everlasting life. To instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to admonish sinners, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive offenses willingly, to comfort the afflicted, to pray for the living and the dead. Perhaps you may have learned them in a different order, but those are the ways in which we can show mercy to people in different aspects of their spiritual care, of looking after their spiritual well-being. These are all important to do. But I think I'd also like to focus on different gathering of reflections on mercy it's in one of the prayers that we'll say during the divine mercy holy hour Um, it's on it's printed in there so as you go through it we'll you'll see it when we pray it and i'm going to pray or state some of the parts of it and then go into it a little more to reflect on how this might help us to act with greater mercy Prayer goes, I want to be completely transformed into your mercy and to be your living reflection, O Lord. May the greatest of all divine attributes, that of your unfathomable mercy, pass through my heart and soul into my neighbor. Help me, O Lord, that my eyes may be merciful, so that I may never suspect or judge from appearances, but look for what is beautiful in my neighbor's souls and come to their rescue. Help me that my ears may be merciful, that I may give heed to my neighbor's needs and not be indifferent to their pains and moanings. Help me, O Lord, that my tongue may be merciful, so that I should never speak negatively of my neighbor, but have a word of comfort and forgiveness for all. Help me, O Lord, that my hands may be merciful and filled with good deeds, so that I may do only good to my neighbor and take upon myself the more difficult and toilsome tasks. Help me that my feet may be merciful, so that I may hurry to assist my neighbor, overcome my own fatigue and weariness. My true rest is in the service of my neighbor. Help me, O Lord, that my heart may be merciful, so that I myself may feel all the sufferings of my neighbor. I will refuse my heart to no one I will be sincere even with those who I know will abuse my kindness and I will lock myself up in the merciful heart of Jesus I will bear my own suffering in silence may your mercy O Lord rest upon me this really hit me when I first came across this because it pointed out to me so many ways that I was not merciful in subtle things and just gestures or ways that i just acted without thinking about it one of the first ways i was aware was with my eyes and still battle that how do i look at people what do they see in my eyes do they see christ or do they see something else For a while, I was very comfortable in in giving people the look. You know what the look is? Sometimes teachers have a look and I kind of cultivated that because I I taught high school for a while and it was not the most pleasant of experiences for me. And, And I had had to try to manage things but it kind of extended to other people as well. Eventually when I think I started to get a little more humble. I was more willing to be able to hear people's criticism. Um, One of the secretaries told about the look and that she was getting the look. And it was kind of a look like, you should know how to do this. You know, that type of thing that it's kind of a subtle put down. Not a word was said, but it was seen and felt. And my look was not a look of mercy. And I appreciate that she called me out on that because that took courage to give that constructive feedback. But I found that to be true with other people and I don't always do it well, but I try to watch that. How do I look at other people? What is being communicated with my eyes? Is it gentleness or harshness? Is it kindness or criticism? And what's behind that, you know? Is there something of arrogance in in the background that says it needs to be my way? And by the way, why couldn't you read my mind to know exactly what I was expecting of you, right? Okay. What about words? Do I say the things that are needed to be said correctly, but without regard to how it will be heard? I can be a champion for the truth and drive people away from it by the way that I communicate it. But also, on the other hand, if I fail to speak the truth because of what someone might think of me, I'm not acting in mercy either, am I? because I'm not seeking the good of that person. I'm not providing the good that could lead them to a a richer life with Christ and towards salvation because I'm looking to care for myself and my own comfort. With regard to words, what is the tone of voice that I use when I talk to people? Can it be steely, kind of have an edge, a harshness? Can it communicate a clear displeasure at what that other said or maybe even stands for? Or can it reflect the kindness of Christ who calls people to himself? It's important to realize that sometimes the harshness may not really be directed at the people that catch the brunt of it. It may be from the other stuff that we're going through, the difficulties that we may have had with others, the tough situations that we may have been going through from all kinds of sources, from, you know, job or from um, family or from just pain or sickness. But in the moment, whatever that is, that person is going to receive something from me. And is it going to be mercy or will it be harshness? Feet, interesting thought about feet. Do I walk away from people when I'm displeased? Do I leave relationships when there's difficulty? Do I distance from people, especially if I have to correct? I recently heard a talk on shame. And the difference between a person who is shamed and a person who can receive correction and guidance and the relationship is still intact, that's really the difference. It's whether the shame puts up the distance and separation and the person is shoved away, the relationship is is shut down. If on the other hand, the person who offers that correction and guidance maintains the connection and draws the person forward in it, then it's much more productive and it's not damaging. How do we do that without walking away? Ultimately, it's a question of, um, I'm spacing the word, love that's not conditional, unconditional love, right? Where unconditional love is, we don't cease loving regardless but if it's conditioned then if something is as upsetting or displeasing then we can walk away about hands we can use our hands to embrace or to strike we can reach out and either could be the result we can use them to welcome or to reject the friday after ash wednesday there is a reading from isaiah where it talks about striking with wicked claw and it's a fascinating phrase there but years ago a wonderful person in one of the parishes where i served came to me after that reading and said that meant a lot to me that i'd heard that before in another reading and then i was out driving and someone cut me off and I gave them a gesture, which let's just say was not pleasant. And and she realized for her, she was striking with wicked claw, a way in which she was using hands, not for mercy, but for something else. It was a beautiful example of someone reflecting on the readings and finding a call to conversion, which she embraced. That's true for all of us, isn't it? How do we use our hands And then also our thoughts. Our thoughts lie behind all of those gestures and all of those works. And how do we let that be formed into the pattern of Christ and his mercy? Our outward gestures can be more refined than simply in the acts that we might do. We think about the ways in which we show mercy in the acts we do. It's meant to be drawing from that sense of being merciful out of trust in in God who loves us first. The ability to show mercy, to be merciful, is actually coming from the mercy that we receive. It's because of the mercy that we receive. It's enabled by the mercy we receive, the mercy that we come to know How is God providing for us? How has God provided for us? Certainly, we go back to the Our Father. We remember how God has forgiven us, and especially in this most wonderful time of the year where we celebrated Holy Week, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of our Lord, who came precisely to heal the separation, to restore the relationship of God with us. As we go on now to close out of this talk, offer a prayer suggestion for you. Here we can look at the last judgment as shown in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. But perhaps especially looking at verses 40 and 45, like I read them, where it says, Whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. As a motivation for our mercy and help guide us in the ways in which we might embrace that more and more richly in our lives. In preparation for the Divine Mercy Holy Hour, if you haven't looked at that document, it's about five pages, and um, it gives the whole order of our prayer uh, during the Divine Mercy Holy Hour, including the guidance for how to pray the chaplet, if you're not familiar with that, and these prayers from the diary of Saint Faustina that we'll be using during the exposition and benediction. So let's close out now again with the glory be. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.